Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness and your faithfulness to us. Uh, Lord, you are always faithful. Lord, we acknowledge our sin and the wickedness that dwells so deeply within us. And uh, Lord, we confess that we are not faithful to you. Uh, That we do not love you with all of our heart, with all that we are, and we do not love our neighbors as ourselves. And as we study Isaiah chapter 1, that reality is really brought to bear upon our hearts. And uh, so, Lord, I pray that you would uh, just reveal who we really are. And, Lord, I I pray that that you would also reveal to us your amazing grace and faithfulness that is given to us in sending Jesus Christ to shed his blood, to pay the price for our forgiveness. Uh, So give us your Holy Spirit so that we can read, uh, hear, and understand your word and truly believe it. Amen. So today we go to Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, and uh, we hear the beginning of his message in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 10 through 18. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Interesting, he is referring to the people of Judah in Jerusalem, specifically to the rulers as rulers of Sodom, and as the people of Judah and Jerusalem as people of Gomorrah. That ought to show you right there that that the, the Old Testament church had gone off the rails. They had gone off the rails. If he's referring to them as Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 11. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? He says, I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. If you're familiar with the Old Testament church, the Old Testament community, their worship centered around sacrifice. The sacrifice of animals. You see, the Bible says that there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. So they would bring animals to the Lord as a sacrifice. But he says, what to me is the multitude of your sacrifices? He says, I've had enough of all of these animals that you bring. Verse 12, when you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? He says, bring me no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations, I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. So they're going through the religious motions. They're, They're doing those things which are required in the Old Testament law, but their heart isn't in the worship. Verse 15, when you spread out your hands, which is the posture of prayer in the temple in the Old Testament, when you spread out your hands, he says, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Why? Your hands are full of blood. Your hands are full of blood. 
So he says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes, cease to do evil. Verse 17, we're going to focus in really today on verses 17 and 18. We need to learn how to do verse 17, Isaiah 117. We need to learn how to do this. Learn to do good, to seek justice, to correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Verse 18, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. This is the reading of the word of God. Thanks be to God. So I, I believe that all of scripture can be, can be summarized in this way. The Bible is the story of our failure. The story of humanity's failure. The story of your failure. So the scripture can be summarized as the story of our failure and primarily the story of God's relentless faithfulness, of his relentless faithfulness to a people who have failed. Maybe we can summarize the entire Bible in one verse, Romans 5.8. Let me read to you Romans 5.8. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ did what? Christ died for us. Maybe we, we, can, we can do, maybe we could say the whole Bible is summarized, the entire narrative of scripture is summarized by Romans 5.8. That God is relentlessly faithful to us that he shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, we had failed God, Christ entered into this world and he died for us. But I could also say that, that Romans 5.8 is also the theme of the message of the prophet Isaiah. I think we definitely can summarize the entire book of Isaiah in the Old Testament by simply quoting Romans 5.8, that God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isaiah is amazing. An amazing book of prophecy which points to us, points us to Christ who died for us and rose again. So the Old Testament church in the mid-700 B.C., they failed to remain faithful to God. One commentator says this, Israel flirted with idols. And I would say they even went further than just flirting with idols. They worshipped idols. And when difficulties arose, they tended to trust in unrighteous powers, foreign powers, rather than the Lord. So they would turn to men instead of to the Lord when things got hard. And through their hardness of heart, they forsook wholehearted trust in the Lord. all the while showing apathy towards injustice and apathy towards a concern for the needy. 
big part of, of, of this, the, the prophet, what the prophet Isaiah is, is, is speaking against the people of Israel is this apathy for injustice and a lack of concern for the needy. And so as you read through Isaiah, you read sober warnings, not only against the idolatrous nation, but also against his own people who are breaking his word. And ultimately, God's people in Isaiah's day had proven not to be a light to the nations. They had proven to fail in the task that God had given to them to shine the light of the one true God to all the nations. So the story of Isaiah is, is the failure of God's people. But it's also a prophecy of God's relentless faithfulness to them in sending Messiah. They failed to keep God's word, but God continually speaks of his faithfulness. Messiah will come. Messiah will bring salvation. Messiah will set all things right. So first, the failure of the people. They worship the Lord, but not with their heart. They worship the Lord, but not with their heart. And they did not love their neighbors. That was the failure of the people in the text that we read today. You see, at the heart of God's holy law is a demand. There is a demand of you. God demands that you love him. That you love him with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your might. So that is the demand of the law is that we love God with everything that we are. And then the law demands that we love our neighbors as ourselves. We can summarize the entire law, all ten commandments in this way. Love God with all that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. In Isaiah chapter 1, the prophet basically says you failed to do both. You failed to love me and you failed to love your neighbor. Did you know you cannot separate the two? You cannot separate love for God and love for neighbor. The two cannot be separated. The person who, who loves God will love their neighbor. You see, you can't love God and hate your neighbor. If you hate your neighbor, it proves that the love of God really isn't in you. Listen. This living the Christian life is a hard thing. It's difficult. Nothing easy about it. We've been called to love God with, with all that we are and then to love our neighbors as ourselves. You, you see, being a Christian is not about going through the motions. A checklist, well, I attended service on Sunday um, I went to Bible study on Thursday. 
I put my tithe into the offering plate. I told somebody about Jesus this week. I memorized a verse. This is what the Israelites were doing. They were going through a checklist. Their heart wasn't in it. They were just doing the things that they knew that they should do, but, but their heart wasn't in it. They, they really didn't love God. So Isaiah says, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I'll hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I'll not listen to you. Your hands are full of blood. You don't love your neighbor. You're ignoring injustice. You're not caring for those in need. So he says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil deeds from before your eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the the widow's cause. God doesn't want a group of people that just go through the motions. If we're a church that's just going through the motions, we're eventually going to shrivel, wither, and go away, and we won't be of any significance in this community anymore. God wants a people who love him, who love him with all their heart, and who love their neighbors too. So I ask you this question, how are you living out Isaiah 117? How are you living out Isaiah 1.17 in your life? Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the cause of the widow. How are you living out Isaiah 1.17? Are you looking for ways to get involved, to serve, to give, to practically help your neighbor? If you are seeking ways to get involved, if you do want to live out Isaiah 117, I have some suggestions for you. Here at Maple Park, we have a homeless shelter that wants to use our church to house the homeless Uh, when temperatures drop below freezing. But listen to this. This year they don't have enough volunteers. They need people to volunteer. Should this be, should, should there be a need for volunteers in a community with churches like ours? Who've been given Isaiah 117? We know the truth, right? We have a foster care support group that cares for foster foster parents. The foster parents are caring for children who don't have mom or dad. Talk to Sandy Subclef. She wants to put a team together. Um, You don't have to look very far to find a widow. We have them within our congregation. You can come alongside somebody within our own church who needs a visit 
who needs encouragement. Talk to Ellie Mathiason. I think she's here. Yeah, Ellie's here. Talk to her. She'll hook you up with somebody who needs encouragement. You want to feed children within our community? We have opportunity to drop off food here. That's probably the easiest of all of them. Just to bring food for families within our own community that go to Cedar Valley Elementary that are in need. God wants us to live out Isaiah 117. God wants to do more through our church than just going through the motions. Worship service, committee meeting, Bible study, all of these things that feed us, feed us, feed us, feed us. He wants us to give, to give, to give to our community. Most churches struggle to move out into the community through outreach and evangelism. Did you know that 80% of churches today focus only on inreach? They focus only on how to take care of the people who are already in the church? 80% of churches focusing 100% of their energy on inreach? God wants us to focus on inreach. We need inreach. We need to care for our people. We need to have Bible studies and opportunities for growth and, and for discipleship within our church. We need to care for those within the Christian community, but we do not do that and ignore those outside the four walls of the church. You see, if we, if we don't do outreach and evangelism, eventually we'll have no one left in this church to serve or to have go to Bible study or to come to service or to, to serve in their needs. What is the cost of inreach only church? What happens when the church fails to love their neighbors? When the church fails to bring the gospel to the neighborhood? Well, the, uh, the uh, head of, of the fourth largest Lutheran synod, I heard him speak, and he said this, and I believe it. I believe it's, it's true across the board, not just for Lutheran churches. But he says this, it, it takes 1,000 Lutherans, get this, 1,000 Lutherans one year to make one new disciple. Are we loving our neighbors, if that's our track record as Lutherans? It takes 1,000 Lutherans one year to make one new disciple. He's called us to inreach. Yes, we need to take care of our congregation, but he's also called us to love our neighbors. And to love our neighbors means that we go to them, we serve them where they're at. And the, the greatest way that we can serve them is by bringing them the peace that Jesus brings in the gospel. So I ask you, when was the last time you participated in what Jesus has called you to do in the Great Commission? In other words, when was the last time you did what Jesus said you are to do? To go. To go. And to make disciples. Now I have to confess my track record is dismal. 
One of the, 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 the greatest, uh, one of the best uh, pieces of advice that was given to me as a preacher is this. If you're not living it, you still need to preach it. But tell them you're not living it. Because if you're only preaching that which you're living, you're not going to have very much to preach about. Right? Preach the word. And when you're not living it out the way you should, make sure you let your congregation know that you're right there with them. That you too are a sinner in need of grace and of repentance. So my track record is dismal. I'm a part of the problem. I'm a part of the problem of taking, of 1,000 Lutherans taking one year to make one new disciple. So is God wearied by our religious, our church busyness because we're failing to love our neighbor by going to them, loving them, serving them, bringing them the gospel? Is God wearied by all this stuff that's going on here because we failed to do what he's actually called us to do? I think that Isaiah says, yeah, he is wearied. He's wearied by you, Adam. He's wearied by this church. He's wearied by the body of Christ in North America. In Isaiah's day, there was a failure to love God and to love neighbor. And the same is true today. Surprise, surprise, the same sin that infected Judah and Jerusalem in 740 B.C. infects the church in the year of our Lord 2019. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. <laughs> so, our failure. Our failure. But it doesn't, Isaiah doesn't end just with our failure. He speaks of God's relentless faithfulness to us as a people who have failed. Remember, you can summarize Isaiah through Romans 5.8. God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for you. He loves you. He loves me. We have failed, yes, but he has relentless love and faithfulness towards us. See, this is the good news of the gospel. God is faithful to his people who have failed. And there's another thing that we need to understand too. Remember I said, are you doing Isaiah 117? Are you living out Isaiah 117? Are you living it out? You cannot do Isaiah 117 until you have come to trust in Isaiah 118. You can't separate the two. You'll never do Isaiah 117 until you have come to experience and to believe and to trust in Isaiah 118. You won't love God. You won't love your neighbor until you have experienced the love of God given to sinners in Jesus Christ. You see, Isaiah foretells the coming of Jesus, and in Isaiah 118, the results of Jesus' Messiah are told by the prophet. 
What is the result of the coming of Jesus? Verse 18, he says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Have you experienced the grace, the love, the forgiveness of Jesus in your life? You see, if you haven't heard it lately, you need to hear it again. God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into this world. Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophet Isaiah. Jesus sent, God sent Jesus for you because he loves you. He knows that you have failed. He knows that you have sinned, but he loves you. And he doesn't want you to die in your sin. He wants to wash your sins away. That's why he went to the cross. Upon the cross, he shed his blood. And it is through the shedding of his blood, not the blood of animals at the temple, but by the blood of the Lamb of God who gave his life for the sin of the world. He shed his blood. And when you believe in Jesus, when you trust in Jesus as your Savior, when you say, Lord, I am a sinner. Lord, I am under your judgment. When you say, Lord, I need you. I need Jesus. The blood that Jesus shed upon the cross is applied to you. And his blood is powerful. It has the power to cleanse you of all of your sin and of your unrighteousness. You believe it today? Are you trusting it today? Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet. Listen, you shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool purified, clean by the love of God given to us in Jesus Christ, that spotless lamb without blemish or defect who shed his blood for you upon the cross. You see, you're never going to be concerned about your neighbor until you experience how concerned God is for you and for your soul. And when you experience the love of God, in such a radical way, through the gift of Jesus Christ upon the cross and in his resurrection, you cannot help but love him for all that he has done. And you cannot help but love your neighbor because of how much God loves you. Amen.